0: We're going to uh, be investing, and uh, we have for the last couple weeks, and will be for the next couple months, uh, of uh, just uh, focusing in on this book of Proverbs. We're not going to go through all of the book of Proverbs, but just selecting various Proverbs to speak on subject matter where we need to find wisdom. As you saw in the video, uh, our tendency as human beings in our society today is to look to technology... To answer uh, some of the things that perplex us most. And as followers of Jesus Christ, while human wisdom at times can be productive... Uh, The wisdom that is always perfect comes from God and and His Word. And we want to uh, look to uh, various subject matters that God has spoken to and and address some of the questions that we may have so that we might find answers that will bring glory and honor to Him and also bring great blessing to ourselves. And I want to remind us as a people that uh, these book of Proverbs aren't written to remind us how dumb we are. Uh, they are written by an earthly father named Solomon to his son, wanting to uh, show a son whom he loves and cares for uh, how to live life and to live life well. But let us be reminded that behind Solomon, the earthly author, there's a heavenly author as well, and that's our heavenly Father uh, who loves us very much. And he's not writing these things to say, hey, dum-dum, you've really blown it, you've really messed up. He's wanting to show us how to live life well. And as we learned last week uh, and been blessed by uh, Mark Krause's preaching on the subject of finances, today I want to look to the subject matter of words and to see how God has wisdom with regards to How we can speak words that will not only glorify God, but be a blessing to all those around us. And we're going to be pulling from a lot of the the book of Proverbs, but I want to start by looking at Proverbs 18, uh, verse 21 this morning. And this is what it says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Let that sink in just for a moment. Death and life are in the power of your words. Do you know that? Do you know that with every word that you speak, there's a real potential for you to bring life or to bring death to those whom you're speaking with? Maybe this week you you spoke words of life into another individual by encouraging them and blessing them and and giving them that, that extra boost of support that they needed. Maybe, sadly, some of us spoke words of death Telling people how dumb they are, or telling people how worthless they are, or, or, or words of bigotry or or words uh, that are full of judgment and, and full of uh, critical spirits, you know, we have the power of death and life in our words, and, and if you 're like me this morning, you could use a, a dose of god 's wisdom with regards to our words, because we do talk a lot, and the Bible says much with regards to this issue of words and and so as we are reminded that death and life are found in our words, let me pray for our time and, and for me, because I don't want to preach this sermon. I talk a lot, and there's a lot of words, and, and yes, I've been given a gift to speak and to use my mouth to, to do great things, but if you ever have noticed, some of your greatest strengths that God gives you are also can be the worst weaknesses, and so this is a weakness of mine and I confess it to you hoping that that will help you to be honest with yourself about the areas of weakness with regards to your words. So Father God, we come and we ask your blessing. Lord, use our mouths for your kingdom. Use our words for your glory. Lord, I pray that uh, the words that we speak not only here in church but, but also in the, in the days to come, Lord, that everything we say would not only glorify you, but it would lift others up. It would bless others that when people hear our words, that they will be filled with joy, knowing that what we have to say is good and highly productive for those around us. Lord, bless us with wise words so that we might be a blessing to others. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I want to look into the heading of watching our words this morning. In doing so, I want to look at five points. We're going to move through them relatively quickly, and I do mean relatively, uh, with regards to the issue of words. And The first thing I want you to know, as we look at the subject matter, it seems as if the book of Proverbs tells us that words play a huge part in our lives. They play a huge part. I want you to circle that word huge. I want to make that word huge as big as possible, because I cannot overestimate the power that your words play uh, in, in our lives. We see that throughout human history as we look to uh, major things that have happened within our world and as a society from the beginning of humanity all the way till today. Words have played a huge part and, and, and that's seen just as us as a nation. Let me share with you some of the profound words that we, are, uh, f- that we hear about or think about Uh, and the words that have impacted our lives. A man once wrote on a piece of paper, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. I'm going to ask you, this is a quiz. Let's see how good you do at it. Another, of course, that's Charles Dickens and the Tale of Two Cities. Also, uh, in a uh, legislating house of Virginia, a man named Patrick stood up and he said the following, Give me liberty or give me death. Okay, you're two for two. Another Virginian would write on a piece of paper and hand it to a group of his friends and compatriots, and he would write this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, from the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson. A little farther into our uh, American history, we were reminded of this truth. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, FDR, in his inaugural address. How about this one? Ask not what your country can do for you. You've got it, JFK. How about this one? Uh, Later in that decade, that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Of course, that's astronaut Armstrong on the surface of the moon. How about this one? I have a dream, Martin Luther King Jr., How about this one from the uh, early 80s? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall from the Brandenburg Gate, asking for the Berlin Wall. uh, Not asking, really commanding uh, the Russian government to tear down the wall uh, of communism that was symbolized in the Berlin Wall. Each of these incidents speak volumes that the written or spoken word is powerful It shapes human history, but I want you to notice that it's not just as a society that these things shape human history, but even words change our lives. It's amazing that some of our most memorable events in our lives came with words. For some of you who have been applying to college, the thing that you've been looking forward to are the words, you're accepted to the college of your choice. How about the the question that uh, every boyfriend or girlfriend wants to hear, will you marry me? Many of us can remember, even though it was a long time ago, whether asking those words or receiving those words, where we were at, how we were feeling when those words were uttered. How about the words, I do, when when we got together at the marriage ceremony uh, at our wedding day and and uttered words of, of vows to one another. For those looking for a job, the greatest words we can hear are you're hired. But be careful because the words you don't want to hear are, you're fired. And many of us can remember hearing one of those words because those words are impactful. How about when you heard either from your, your wife or, or if you were the lady from the doctor that you're pregnant, or it's a boy, or it's a boy, or it's a boy, in the but all's, but all's time. And the third time we heard it, okay, we've been there, done that, all right, God, you've got a good sense of humor. Or maybe a girl, as some of you have been blessed with. Words are amazing. We remember those words because they impact the very essence of of who we are. Not always good, though. Some of us have heard words like, it's cancer, or it's a disease. Others have heard, it's terminal. I remember hearing the words that, uh, I remember exactly where I was at in my high school, when my dad came and said, your brother Chris is dead. Words can bring us to the mountaintops, they can bring us to the absolute pits based on what we are articulating. And I want you to know this morning that you have great power with regards to your words and that power comes from God himself. In fact, in the beginning, God created this world and all that's in it, seen and unseen, through the power of his word. That when Christ came, uh, the book of John says that he became the logos, the word incarnate. He was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, Jesus, the living word of God. In your hands you have the written word of God that uh, leads and guides us to holiness and to truth. One day, the name of Jesus will be spoken by God himself. And at that name, that spoken name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will share words of confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Words are powerful. They were in the beginning. They will be in the end. And every day in between, your words are powerful. The question is this morning, will you use them for God's glory or for your own gain? And that's what we need words of wisdom as Christ followers to know what does the scripture have to say. And so God has enabled us with the power of words. But he's not the only one who wants to use our words. You see, the devil knows the power of words as well. And I think that one of the reasons why you and I struggle so much is the devil recognizes the power of words. No better illustrated than in World War II where anytime you would be at a military base or an army installation, there were posters plastered all over the place. And it was a saying that up to this point, I never knew what the meaning was, but loose lips sink ships. Well, it sounds good, but I didn't know that, that uh, during World War II, that was plastered all over the place if you were uh, in the army because what they were saying is, is don't be telling people in casual conversation where your troops are going, where you may be uh, uh, being put off to. Don't tell them where your ship is shipping out from or, or where they're going because the enemy's got spies all over the place and they're going to take the information that you casually share with others and it could mean you die, or it could mean one of your fellow soldiers dies, so be careful, loose lips sink ships. And so the U.S. government wanted to be careful because they knew the power of words in the wrong hands could lead to disaster. And so we need to recognize this morning, we can either help the devil and, and, and propagate all kinds of disasters by using words of hatred, use words of judgment, or we can glorify God and honor Him by speaking words of truth. Now there's a couple truths that we need to know about that make words play such a huge part. Number one, words are plentiful. What I mean by that is we talk a lot. Did you know the average person speaks 15,000 words a day? We do so when we open our, our mouths 700 times. Now to give you an idea, men speak about 13,000 words a day. Women speak on average seventeen to 18,000 words a day. Don't get mad at me and get mad at the, the people that uh, come up with that. Yes, it seems that women speak more than men do. But to put that into perspective, if we speak on average 15,000 words a day, if you were to transcribe the words that you will share today, you will fill 60 printed pages in a book. In a year, that means that an average human being will fill 66 800-page books with your own words. It must be for that reason that the book of Proverbs devotes more than 150 verses in 31 chapters on the use of words and your tongue. And it's something that we need to recognize that, hey, we do do a lot of talking, and we need to be ready to receive God's wisdom as to how we are to speak. Notice, words are also able to penetrate. What I mean by that is you may think that your words are nothing. No, they are something. Think about the last time someone said to you, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or you did a good job. That, that doesn't just hit your ears and, and fall away. No, that goes into the depth of who you are. Have you ever had someone encourage you in such a way that you could take on the world after hearing the words they had to share? Or maybe you've heard words like you're worthless, you're terrible, you're good for nothing. That doesn't just hit you on the outside and fall by the wayside. That goes into the depth of who you are. And some of us have been positively or negatively impacted by the words someone has shared from us that it is cut to the very heart of who we are. Uh, a couple passages, and I'm going to read through a lot of the, of the Proverbs, and so it would probably be better just for you to write these passages down so you can look to them later than to try to keep up with me as I move forward. But I want you to know that in a good way, words can penetrate in Proverbs 12:25. Proverbs 12:25, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. You can change a person's morning or, or day by speaking an encouraging word. You can lift them up from the ashes. But you can also tear down with a hurtful word. In in Proverbs 12.18, Proverbs 12.18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And some of us have used words this week, and we've used them, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and we have stabbed the individual that we've spoken to, and we've thrust that steely knife into them through the words that we've said. Because we've been rash or, or we've not been thoughtful about what we are saying and, and how that word is penetrating the lives of others. Notice another thing that we need to understand. Words go places that you can't. Have you ever noticed that your words have a way of taking on wings and flying away? I can't tell you how many times I've said something and I've wished I've had a net to catch what just came out and it's already too late. And so we need to recognize that our words have a way of, of taking on wings and, and, and flying away. Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says the following. A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching or an uncontrolled fire so we need to recognize that when we say something, we think that, that we're saying it and we've got control of it, but like an uncontrolled burn, uh, we have no control of where those words are going to go or how they're going to be received, so we need to be extra careful. The book of James tells us that the tongue is like a spark that starts the whole forest on fire. There's no doubt some of us have said things that we, we meant to only uh, impact a small amount to then turn around and have it in a devastating way impacts so many others as a result of what we've said. After being found guilty one day, a town gossip was given an object lesson by her local pastor. And he wanted to teach her about the speed at which our words take flight and he told the, the town gossip, "This is what I want you to do. I want you to take this bag of feathers, and I want you to place a feather at each of the doorsteps of, of the homes in the community. And then I want you to come back to church and wait an hour, and after that hour is done, I want you to go out and gather all of the feathers back." To which she came back with only a handful of feathers, she said, "All the other ones were gone. We need to recognize like feathers, our words go and they get caught into the wind of of others and caught into the wind, if you will, going places we never thought they were going to go. So be careful, your words can take flights. But right before you think that I better not say anything, I want you to recognize that you have a choice. You can use words for good or words for bad and, and it's up to you on what you're going to do. And the... Bible the book of Proverbs talks about both kinds. There are two types of words, words that are harmful and words that are helpful. So let's address each of these in the next two points. Let's first address words that are harmful. What does the book of Proverbs say about words that hurt? I want to share with you that the Bible clearly, especially in the New Testament, tells believers, followers of Christ, to abstain from using any kind of words that are unwholesome or that will tear down the lives of those around them. And the book of Proverbs reminds us of some of these truths. Not all of them, but some of the harmful ways we can use words against people. Notice the first one is gossiping. Gossiping. Proverbs 18.8 says the following. The lot puts, uh, let's see here, uh, Proverbs, did I say that right? 18.8. Uh, uh, that's not the right passage. I don't know why I got through it in the first service, but it's not the right one in the second one. Well, look up in your Bibles at some point, gossiping, and you'll find in the book of Proverbs, it is? Am I not reading it right? Uh, I'm looking for it. Someone read it for me. Who's got it there? Proverbs 18.8. Nobody? All right. That's right, the morsel. Thank you, Ed. The, go- the, the gossip, what he does is he sets out, he's a caterer, and what he does is not set out the full meal. He sets out appetizers. And what he does is he sets out these little finger foods, you know, those little things that you, you can't get enough of. You've been to weddings. You've been to places where they're sitting out, and you just, you just want to keep eating. Well, the, what the gossip does is he walks around with a tray of food And he he sits there and he shows you only part of it. Just have a little. And what it does is gossip always grows the appetite for more. It always says, tell me more. Tell me more. It was once said of a man who was was gossiping uh, to a set of friends about the newest scandal that one of the friends exclaimed with excitement, tell me more, tell me more, to which the gossip said, I've told you already more than I know. You see, many of us gossip, and we are telling more than we actually know, and most of it is not even true. And so we need to be careful because gossip's huge within the church. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear about so-and-so? And all you're doing is setting out uh, these half-truths, or maybe they're even truths that maybe someone doesn't need to hear, only with the hunger for more. Now, a couple of things you need to remember about gossip. Number one, the gossiper controls the story. And what that means is when you gossip, you have total control of the story. And here's the reason why. If you are the gossip, the people that you're telling that sweet and, and, and scandalous gossip about, they don't know anything else. So there's no fat, fact checking. There's no one saying, is that really true? And so one of the ways that you can combat against gossip is to stop and say, you know what, number one, are you sure about that? That will stop gossip. Number two, should you be talking about that? That will stop it. And see, because as soon as the gossip comes out, human nature says, tell me more. Because you want to be in the power of the know. You want to be a part of knowing what's, what's going on. I want you to recognize that gossip is, is, is a sin. When the book of Proverbs says that it starts out really good, but it can bring great problems to those who not only share it, but those who hear it and those who it's about. And secondly, we want to talk about the issue of lying the issue of lying, Proverbs 6, 17, speaks about the seven detestable sins. And it says lying is one of them. A lying tongue is detestable to God. In Proverbs 12, 19, in Proverbs twelve nineteen, it says truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Have you used your words this week to deceive people? Have you used your words this week? Maybe not to, to deceive you. you, say, well, that's lying and I, I don't do that, but you disguise your real feelings. So listen to me. When, when someone says, How are you doing? and you know you're doing lousy, and you put on a smile and you say, I'm doing great, you just lied. You just deceived. You disguise your feelings and you've spoken an untruth. Have you lied to deflect the heat from you onto someone else or some other thing you're lying? Understand lying is the language of the devil and unbecoming for the follower of Christ. But we do it all the time, don't we? And we do it, and, and it's not always per se to deceive. Sometimes it's, it's fun. I, I always, every time, I shared this in the earlier service, every time that I preach on lying, I've got to share this illustration with you because it is so powerful. And it's about your preacher Lying. So many of you know I I run a catering business. I was on a catering event where I was doing some grilling up in the north part of St. Charles... And this young kid was around. He had a skateboard with him. And, and you ever had a kid running around with you that you just get away from me? I've got work to do. And the kid just talking a mile a minute and asking all kinds of questions. You know, what's this for? What's that for? Tell me about this and that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take control of the situation and, and we're going to, we're going to use this to my advantage. So I said, Hey, I see you're a, a skateboarder. He says, Oh, yeah, I love skateboarding. And I said, you know what? I was once a professional skateboarder. And the kid's like, wow, that's awesome, and, and uh, you know, uh, tell me more. And I saw that his uh, skateboard was, was a Tony Hawk skateboard, and I didn't really know much about Tony Hawk, but I knew it was a skateboard. and I said, yeah, me and Tony, we go way back. Tony says I'm the best skateboarder ever. Wow, I thought Tony Hawk was the greatest, and now you're the greatest. This is amazing. I can't wait to tell my friends. I've met a real professional skateboarder. Now, uh, he hadn't looked at my size, obviously to see that, because I would be probably been the largest skateboarder around. So then he says, well, where do you do skateboarding at? And I said, you know, uh, a lot of you guys, you got go to go uh, to your local skate parks. I've got a massive skate park in my backyard. That is awesome, man. You're the greatest. How high does your thing I said, well, how high do you think it should go? I think it should be 20 feet. Mine goes 30 feet. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And, and he's ready to get my autograph and, and all of that. And, and, uh, and I don't think much of the conversation after that because he goes on and he goes skateboarding. I've made his day. So next day I go and I'm here with you guys worshiping and enjoying. Now, I don't think I was a preacher then so I get a little bit of a pass. But the next day I'm at home after church and the doorbell rings and the little kid is at my front door. And I'm like, How in the world, kid, did you find me? And then I begin to think about all the things that I said. And he says, I'm here to see your skate park. Can I I got brought my skateboard to your skate park? And I'm like, How in the world did this guy, you know, who told him I live here? Did he follow me, you know, with the van? And and he says, I saw your van. And I knew it was your house. And I said, where did you come from? He says, my uncle lives right next door. (laughs) Okay, let me tell you something. I have a great neighbor. And my neighbor was laughing his head off in the front yard going real nice, but all lying to little kids. And the kid still is not understanding that that the, the mean guy behind the grill was lying to him. He says, where's the skate park? I said, there's no skate park, kid. Let me tell you about the subject of lying. I sat down with him at the front stoop and had to tell him I was lying. Let me tell you something. Lying will always be caught. I cannot tell you how many times I've told lies as a young person and even as an adult. And inevitably they get caught. And here's how they get caught. They either get caught because you're, you're found out. Or what I've come to know is I have to tell somebody because it eats me alive. And I finally just have to say, you know what, I was lying. Lying, as I said, is the language of the devil. It's not good for us to do, and so stop doing it. No matter how easy it is, no matter what fun you get out of it, no matter what it is, it will be found out, so stop doing it. And then number three, uh, seducing words. Uh, Another way to put it is flattery. It, It was once said that flattery, is lying in a garden of beautiful flowers. And I think that's true. Because what flattery is, is really telling untruths or or telling something for a reason that's not really the reason. And and some of us are really good at at buttering people up. At at saying things really that, that may be true or untrue, uh, brown-nosing, okay, is a term we use. That's, that's seducing words, flattery. Why do you brown-nose somebody? It isn't because they're really the greatest boss in the world, right? Uh, no, it's so that the, great, the, the the halfway decent boss or the lousy boss will do good things to you. It's selfish. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs talks about seducing words in, in uh, Proverbs 29.5. Proverbs 29.5 nine five says the following uh, of it. It says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And so when we uh, use seducing or flattering words, we need to be careful. In fact, the one who uses the most flattery or seducing words, the book of Proverbs says, is the prostitute. Speaking to a young man, he says, Stay away from the prostitute whose lips drip like that of honey, but in the end are filled with blood. And so some of us are using words of flattery. Can I tell you that the people that have harmed me or hurt me the most as an individual have always been people at some point before that who have spoken the greatest words about me. And so be careful when the person says, you're the greatest, you're the most awesome person, you're the best at this or that, because those words of flattery, number one, you aren't the best, okay? And I can't tell you, listen, how many people have come to me and said, that you're the greatest pre- I know this is going to confuse you, but you're the greatest preacher we, uh, I've ever heard. I've never heard any. I've had people in the foyer who have preached that. And you know what usually happens? They never show back up. So obviously it wasn't that good because they never came back. And so those are the things you got to be careful with that they don't have the power of definition. Be careful about your seducing or words of flattery. How about fuming words? i got to keep moving here. Words of anger. Proverbs twenty nine, twenty two, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. How many of us have gotten ourselves into trouble because we have allowed our anger to, to make its way into our mouths, which then turns into words that maybe we don't really mean or we say and mean them and they cause great harm. How many times have we allowed our anger to get the best of us, and as a result of that, we've ruined a relationship? We've lost it out in an opportunity. We've ruined our testimony because we cannot keep a bridle on our tongue when we're angry. Remember, it's not a sin to be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. And usually, the first place that happens is with our words. The final one that we need to be careful with that are harmful to others is just talking too much. Talking too much. Proverbs Proverbs 10.19 says the following. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. And so what that means is, and boy, this hits close to home for a guy who talks a lot. What this is saying is, Tim, be careful. Don't talk so much because when you do, the probability of you sinning exceeds exponentially. Do you understand that? The more you talk, talking is going to give its way to sin. So the more you talk, the more opportunity you have for sin to follow. And so be careful with that. And some of us need to start talking less. We don't need to be the one who always has the answer. We need to allow the Spirit of God to contain our words, maybe to a lesser degree, maybe instead of 80 pages being filled in a day, It might be better for us only to have 50 or 60. So right away you say, well, I don't want to talk anymore because all it will do is cause trouble. But that's not what the book of Proverbs says. It says there's also words that can be helpful. And we can use our speech to be helpful. And so let's address some of these quickly. You want to use your words for good? You want to help people? You want to grow people? Here are four ways that you can do it from the book of Proverbs. Use your words to equip others, to equip others. Uh, Proverbs 10.31, Proverbs 10.31 says this, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. It brings forth wisdom. Proverbs 15, verse 7, Proverbs 15, verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. And so one of the ways that you can be helpful uh, to those whom you're speaking with is to share wise words. That your words, the quality of your words would be something glorious. They would be something worthwhile that when, when someone comes to you and says, hey, I could use some advice, you actually give them good advice. This last Thursday, I had the opportunity to have dinner with uh, a growing friend of mine and a mentor. His name is Pastor Larry Osborne, and he's from San Diego and pastors an incredibly large church, And, and, and yet all of that aside, the thing that I love about Larry is that every time he talks, I just want to take a notepad down and write it because everything he says is just absolute nuggets of wisdom. And you'll hear me say over and over again, say that again, say that again, say it again so I can remember that, I don't don't want to forget that, how to be a better husband, how to be a better father, how to be a better pastor, how to be a better Christian, and he's got these words of wisdom, and they're not just fortune cookies, this is truth of God, the knowledge of God applied to everyday life, and and, and as I was finishing up, I told Amanda, "I, I want to be like that. I want when people come to be equipped after they've sat with me. Man, after talking with Tim, man, he gave some advice that it was gold. Man, I've learned so much about who I am and, and what life is about, and we need that. And that's why younger men are to teach, uh, older men are to teach younger men, and older women are to teach younger women, because we've been equipped with life experience to help equip others. The second one is exhorting. That is, exhorting is to sometimes say difficult things. In Proverbs 17, verse 10, we are reminded that a a necessary word sometimes is better than words of flattery. That a necessary word sometimes is better than words of flattery. That a good friend is one who will speak hard truths to the one he loves even when it hurts. And so we need to recognize that there are times where a brother and sister in Christ uh, will need to hear a word of exhortation. And that is words that say, you know what, uh, Tim, what I just saw you do was not becoming of a Christian. What I heard you just say probably wasn't the best thing. You probably could have done it this way. You could have done it th- that way. Uh, early on in my relationship with John Pilkington, one of the elders here, who, whom I've come to be a, a close friend with throughout the years, early on, John Pilkington didn't have a problem exhorting me as a fellow elder. And after doing something, and I won't talk about what it was, but doing something, John pulled me aside, away from all the others, and he said, Brother, I need to talk with you. What, what I was a part of was something that was unbecoming of an elder. God was not glorified by that. Now, I could have gotten angry. And I could have said, who do you think you are? You think you're perfect? You don't make mistakes? And, but what I did, because I knew that John loved me, and John cared about me, and John wanted to see the best in me, that I sat there and received it. And those aren't easy words to receive but boy, that is needed within the church. Now, we need to be careful we don't become legalists. We don't point out uh, the specks in brothers' and sisters' eyes while we have a log in our own. But through grace and mercy and love and a desire to lift up others, we share areas and times where what you said or what you did or, or, or what you were wanting to do is, is unbecoming of a believer. Let's talk about it. How about the issue of encouraging? Proverbs 12, 25. Proverbs 12, 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Proverbs 15, 4. says "The uh, uh, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Proverbs 15, 23. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? Proverbs 16, 24, Pleasant or encouraging words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul. Any medical doctor will tell you that encouragement helps the human condition. And yet far too many of us live our lives, and I'll illustrate it, some of you aren't old enough to know this, but some of you live lives like those two crotchety old men that were on the Muppet Show who sit in the balcony. You remember those guys? Oh, I thought that was a terrible show. I thought, I thought that that was a bad joke. I thought that that was, and they, that's what you do. You do it at church, you do it with your kids, you do it with your spouse, you do it with your work, and you just are crotchety all the time, critiquing everything, and no encouragement comes out of your mouth. Some of you dads have not said an encouraging thing this week to your children except you didn't do this, you didn't do that. How do I know it? Because I will tell you, critical words are far easier for a father than words of encouragement. And I know that to be true in my own life. It's easy to yell at the kids. You can make a good hobby doing it. But a godly man lifts up his children It's easy to to wail on your husband about what he doesn't do and being critical and nagging him. It's hard to find the good in what your husband's doing and encouraging him in that. I don't mean not holding them accountable, but just giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's easy to say your wife doesn't do this, she doesn't do that, but can you encourage her? I will tell you, your life will be a different story if you would just be known as a Barnabas. Just one that encourages. You know, Barnabas is one of those guys I want to meet in the Bible. I'm telling you, Barnabas was such an encourager that when he showed up, everybody was glad to see him because he just lit up the room. And some of us, you are the last person many of the people at work want to see. You're the last person people in your family want to see. You're the last person that your kids want to see because you're not encouraging allow your words to be that of honeycomb sweet to the soul when you share words instead of just critique upon critique there's one more i want to add that that god added after the outline and that's evangelizing found a couple proverbs that i think uh, speak to this proverbs 10:21 the righteous proverbs 10:21 the lips of the righteous nourish many proverbs 11:30 the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise Here is why our words are so important. Because, as followers of Jesus Christ, the the format that God has used to saving souls is the preaching of the gospel. How do you preach the gospel? Let me tell you something. Some say, um, uh, preach the gospel or share the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Good point. Don't take it too far. Because some say, I don't have to say anything. I'll just live such a good life. People will they'll just they'll walk up and say, Jesus, I now get it. I watched him, and now I get it. Now I understand him. I said, no, we have to share words. And we have to speak words of the gospel. And let me tell you, of the 15,000 words you shared yesterday, or the some 100,000 words you shared last week, what percentage of them had to do with Jesus. What percentage of them had to do with Jesus with Christians? And let me add, what percentage of them had to do with the gospel with unbelievers? We're called to evangelize. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news? How beautiful is the tongue that proclaims the truth of, of the gospel? We need to tell others. And here's the thing we need to be reminded of. Jesus says, can fresh water come from a saltwater spring? And so one of the greatest hindrances to your evangelism is is you have used your words in such lousy ways that the opportunity that you do get to share the good news, it's wasted because people think, where is this coming from? I've never heard you talk about these things. I've never heard you say such things. So we need to write our words. We need to fix our words. So when the time comes from the gospel, people are able to hear it and receive it. So here's the thing about our words. The best illustration of your wor- you, what you do with your words, when you speak, you're spreading seed. And, and with every word, a seed gets thrown. And the question is, what harvest is being produced? And so let's notice that your words will always produce a harvest. Will it be weeds, thorns, and thistles? Or will it be words that bring life and blessing? The book of Proverbs says what our words should produce. And it gives three metaphors to what your words should bring about in the lives of people. The first one is refreshing waters, Proverbs 10 11. So let me ask you this question this morning Are people refreshed when you speak to them? I can tell you on Thursday night, man, I was filled up after speaking with an encourager like Larry. I was ready to take on the world. And our people, man, Tim is here. I want to hear from Tim. Every time Tim talks, I'm so refreshed. I'm so filled up. Or do people, when they hear us talk, say, when will Tim just shut up? He goes on and on and on. And it's all about him, or it's all about nonsense, or it's all about how bad everybody else is. Are your words refreshing to the listener? Second metaphor that is used Are your words like outstanding food? Proverbs 16, 24 says, your words taste so good, they're sweet to the listener. When people hear you talk, are they like that after a meal, saying, that was good? Man, I want more. When's he going to bring out the dessert? How about healing to the bones in that same passage, Proverbs 16, 24? Good words, wise words are healing to the bones. And so the question is, with your words, you can do one of two things. You can break bones, or you can bind them up. What are you doing? I had a mom come today to me and say, man, this, this is a convicting word. I thought I had a control of my tongue. And some of the things that I say to my kids are absolutely out of bounds, and the Spirit's really convicting me of this. And I would have thought as I looked at that woman, man, I've never heard anything but, but nice things. She says, but you don't know what I say in my home. You don't know what I say to my kids in my anger, in my frustration. So what do we do? Because like me, I'm sure that many of us struggle with our words. So let's close it out. I know I've got to get done here. So let's, let's deal with this quickly. How do you change your words? How do you start living according to the Proverbs uh, healthy words come from healthy habits. And so you've got to have the right habits. And the Bible articulates how to get control of our tongues. So the first one is, number one, admit you have a problem. Admitting the problem is the first step of recovery, right? So admit you have a problem. Isaiah, when God was commissioning him to do great things for the nation of Israel, Isaiah had to stop and say, wait a minute, God. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. Can you admit that today? Can you admit your mouth gets you into trouble? Can I tell you this morning that while God uses my mouth for great things as a preacher, I will tell you my mouth gets me in more trouble than any other part of my body. Man, and and I get so frustrated because as a 38-year-old man, I would have thought, Tim, you know better. You've had this mouth on you for 38 years. You would have thought I would have figured it out. And it gets me in more trouble than I ever wish. I have to go and say I'm sorry all the time to people because some stupid comment comes out of this big, fat mouth. And I need to admit it. And you need to admit it because until you do until you hear yourself saying i've got a problem with this thing it'll never get fixed so you need to admit it and here's the glorious thing god says when we admit and repent of that he is faithful and just forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness hallelujah Tim, your mouth problem doesn't have to stay that way. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, it can be restored once and for all. And can I tell you, I'm so grateful that at 38, I'm not struggling at the same level as I did as a 21-year-old. Be thankful. God's at work in you. Number two, be accountable to two others. There are two people that you need to be accountable to with regards to your mouth. Number one, God. And here's the reason why. You say lots of things, whether you say it behind someone's back or not, whether you say it privately, whether you say it within your own heart without even letting the words come out. There's only one who hears everything you say. That's God. And so you need to say, Lord, you're hearing everything that I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You know why I'm saying it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my mouth and and my tongue and I'm going to place it at your feet and I'm going to say no more. I'm not in control of it. You are. Now, right before you think that the problem with your mouth are those, those two lips and, and that piece of flesh in your mouth that flaps around and, and makes words audible, that is not your problem. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So before you think your problem's up in your head, really it's in your heart. You've got a heart problem. I've got a heart problem and the heart is deceitfully sick. Who can understand it? And so what we need to do is we need to go to God and say, God, hold me accountable that as a follower of Jesus Christ who's been given a new heart, where is this garbage coming from? God, it's not from you. It's from the devil. It's from my flesh. Rid me of it. Hold me accountable to that. Here's the reason why. Matthew 12, 36 shares on, uh, ominous words to a big talker like your. are Preacher. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it on the day of judgment. Oh. Can I tell you how many careless words I've spoken? You could fill volumes of the stupid things I've said, and God says, (laughs) We're going to talk about that up in glory. You're going to give an account. So what do you do? You keep short accounts with God, you ask for His forgiveness. And what you do is you get a faithful friend who can hold you accountable. There's a man in our church that is a great model of this. It's a man. He's an upstanding man within our church, and, and, and he has a problem with lying. That's his, that's his issue. That's his struggle. And, and you would never know it because most of the time I think he's telling the truth. So he's a trustworthy guy, and, and every once in a while, uh, I'll have to ask him a question because he's asked me to hold me accountable on this, and you'll get a phone call. And, and these phone calls are so, so important to my life because they remind me of the importance of accountability. He'll call and say, hey, you know what? We were just talking about an hour ago, and, and remember I told you this well, it wasn't true. I don't know why I said it, but I did. Please forgive me. And would you hold me accountable with regards to that? And I, I tell you, what a model. When we lie, when we exaggerate, when we curse, man, allow people to hold us accountable. Keep short lists with God and, and short lists with others. And, 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 and don't be ashamed of it. That's our problem. That's our sin issue. Let's, let's address it. Number three, if you've got a problem with your words, if you find yourself sinning, then here's the best practical advice. Take an ax to your words. Stop. Cut them down. If your mouth gets you into trouble, stop talking so much. The book of James says that we are to be slow to speak. Some of us find ourselves in trouble. Listen, usually the trouble I find myself in with my words is because my mouth is moving at a rate of speed that my brain can't catch up. So just get rid of the words and then you won't have to be worried about what you said. In order to do that, you need to become an active listener. In that same passage, James says, be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Write these passages down as we close. Proverbs 15.31, he who listens will be at home among the wise. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. There's a reason why we need to be quick to listen is because God is speaking to us. And many of us are wondering, when's God going to talk to me? And the problem is he can't get a word in edgewise right now because we're talking too much. Proverbs 18:13 says, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. It's not a proverb, but it's a poem, and I think it works, and I'll close with this. A wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he heard, the more he spoke, or the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. So why can't we all be like that wise old bird? Slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. God has given you and I a great ability to communicate with words. But it comes with a responsibility and a commitment to follow the wise words of our loving Father who wants us to speak words of life not death. So use this week. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to grab control of your tongue and to use it to bless others, to encourage them and glorify God and share the gospel in a way that you haven't before. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we could spend a lot longer on the verses that you've laid out in Proverbs about our tongue, but this is enough, Lord. And so, Lord, we we do some reflecting now. We think about what we've said, and we ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit now. Fill us so that our words will be words of life and not of death. Lord, if our words have hurt others, Lord, let us be quick to go and seek restoration. Lord, let us find someone who can hold us accountable. Lord, we don't want to get to glory and have to uh, give an account of all the careless things that we said. So let's deal with them now so that we don't have to deal with them in glory. Lord, what powerful words you've shared. Thank you for the gift and the ability to communicate. But Lord, with every gift comes responsibility. And so Lord, I pray that we'd be responsible this week to live differently. Now send us forth, Lord, because we're going to go and we're going to start talking with others. And Lord, let us strive even from the moment we begin to talk after this service to encourage and equip and exhort and evangelize instead of speaking words that can harm. We need your help, Lord Jesus. We need your spirit, so fill us as we go throughout this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.